Well, it's Big 12 Tournament Week, and I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly, of course, is the show that you've come to follow closely on the podcast, the radio show, and now YouTube and other places as well. We appreciate you being here, and it is the unofficial start of March Madness. Of course, that's next week. This week, it is Conference Tournament Week, the unofficial start to spring in my book. And before we bring on our guy, Matthew Postens, who you hear, of course, all the time on the show, Let's remind you that uh, we're brought to you by our friends at mybookie.com. And right now with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, you get a 100% sign-up bonus right ahead of March Madness. And they've got a pretty darn cool promotion going on right now, mybookie.com slash mybracket. And they've got a $100,000 bracket contest that's only $10 to enter or a $10,000 bracket contest that is $1 to enter. So our friends at MyBookie are taking care of you uh, during this, what should be a very fun March. First off, uh, Matthew, before we get to the season, the tournament, it was this week last year, you were in Kansas City. And the whole world shut down. It was Thursday morning of the Big 12 tournament. I'll never forget Texas and Texas Tech were on the court. And you and I got beers that afternoon and kind of uh, wallowed in our sorrows, so to speak. None of us saw the past year coming. But what do you remember most about that Big 12 tournament last year? Yeah, it was a year ago Friday uh, of this week, as a matter of fact, uh, March 12th. I think the thing I remember most about that day was they had contracted the crowd for that Thursday. You know, it really okay. kind of limited it mostly to family, friends, and team officials. Uh, and I didn't even know about the state of emergency that the Kansas City mayor had declared that morning until, um, you know, I, I, I grabbed my lunch and went to my seat courtside, Texas and Texas Tech were warming up. And then somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Bob Bowlesby's going to talk in about five minutes. You might want to go back to the press room. And I'm like, oh, crap yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go and yeah he they canceled the tournament and then later that day i was in the bar at the marriott with west virginia fans and they canceled the whole whole shooting match and it's it's crazy to think it's been a year i mean yeah. i think i think on the whole everybody has handled this about as well as they could have handled it mm-hmm. you know from a isn't it isn't it one of those things and, in a weird way, it feels like it was just yesterday, uh, but then in a weird way, it feels like it was 10 years ago. Like it's one yeah. of those things to me where I, I remember sitting there with you grabbing those beers and then I'm also like, well, I, it feels like another lifetime. So that's what's kind of weird about this whole thing. Yeah, it, there, there is some weird spatial relationship yeah. there because yeah, it does feel like it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I mean, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm back here in Texas now. I'm not going to be at the tournament this week in person, which I hate, but, you know, that's just how it is right now. But, you know, I've got a, I've turned my room in the back of my house into an office. I've got a yeah. standing desk. I've got this behind me. I've, I've worked at home since I got back from Kansas City. That was the last sporting event I've been to. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. In, in the last crazy. year. And, and I'm guessing, I'm hoping, you know, maybe to get hit, start hitting games again in May. That's where I love being. And, uh, you know, I wish that uh, I could be a part of it this year in person, but next year, you know, we got a re- we got a sub-regional here in Fort Worth and we got a, re- a regional in San Antonio. So hopefully yeah. we'll have some Big 12 teams there. Looking forward to that. Well, we could have a lot of Big 12 teams going pretty deep in March this year. Uh, let's let's just talk big picture here with the Big 12. I mean, all the bracketology that you and I are looking at this week shows seven Big 12 ter- teams making the tournament. To me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, there's nothing that can change this week barring a, a Kansas State or, you know, uh, TC or Iowa State winning the conference tournament that changes seven teams from the Big 12 being in the big dance. So what is like, what is this week all about to you? Is it really just about a seed here or there that 
got a, a Texas Tech to maybe work its way to a three seed if it wins the Big 12 tournament? Because to me, that's really all that's at stake because of how good this conference has been. Yeah, I, I think it really is about seeding. And I think it's really about seeding for Texas Tech. Like you said, they can they could slide up a spot or two with a good tournament. But it's also for Oklahoma, too, because a few weeks ago, I think you and I talked about, you know, Joe Lunardi and Jerry Palm. They had a real distinct difference on how they looked at Oklahoma State. I think Palm had them at a four mm-hmm. and Lenardi had them at an eight. Well, they're together now. They're at a four now. Oklahoma State is. Oklahoma is now the team where they have a disparity. I think um, I think Lenardi has them as a six and Palm has them as an eight now mm-hmm. or vice versa. But so there's a little disparity now in how they look at Oklahoma. So oddly enough, winning that game against Iowa State's important because it just gives them another victory to kind of lean on, even though it's against a two-win team. And it also gives them a pathway into that game with Kansas on Thursday, which is a game that I think is winnable for Oklahoma. I think they're the team, you know, maybe like West Virginia a couple of years ago that, you know, got out of that first day and got to the semifinals. I think they're the team that can get out of that first day, obviously, and get to the semis because I think Kansas is a favorable matchup for them. And, and you mentioned there a team that I, I could spend this entire conversation talking about, and that's Oklahoma State. I, this team, and I admit it, you know, Matthew, I, I thought this team would have a nice little run maybe with Cade Cunningham, maybe get a seven seed out of this uh, March Madness and maybe win a game or two, and then Cade's gone, and then it's like, okay, what's next for Mike Boyton? Whose uncle can he hire to try to get a five-star guy? <laughs> I mean, I am I was so wrong. This team – like they're not the best team in the Big 12, Matthew, but right now I believe Oklahoma State is the most fun team to watch in the Big 12. Do you agree with that, or is there somebody else you'd go to? I, I, they're a lot of fun to watch, and I think what's happened over the course of the season, if you go back to bracketology in January, they weren't in either bracket, and then when they finally got into the bracket, they were like in one of those 11 or 12 seed play-in games, and now they're a four. And yeah. what's happened really is, obviously, Keg Cunningham has been a very consistent contributor for them all season. He's been one of the best players in the country. But what he's done also is he's also siphoned off a lot of that attention that would normally be put on the rest of the team. So guys like Rondell Walker and Avery Anderson, if you watch the West Virginia game Saturday, your eyes probably came out of your head with Avery Anderson scoring 31 points. But he's a really good player. The Boone brothers, um, Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Cade Cunningham has made them a better team this year and made them a really fun team to watch but he's made them a better program for the next couple of years because all of those different guys have grown up and they're all coming back next year. Oklahoma state with that combined with, um, you know, maybe getting a scholarship two or two back that Boynton can recruit with in the spring off the back of Cade Cunningham, it's going to make them a better program the next couple of years. And, and here's what's amazing, too, about Mike Boynton. And there's already talk about, you know, South Carolina, if they move on from Frank Martin. They cannot, uh, to me, with how the Brad Underwood thing went down, they cannot suffer another disaster like like that, like this would be. I mean, if they were to lose Mike Boynton, that would be a failure of epic proportions by Mike Holder. So they got to do everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, yeah, the South Carolina job opens up. That's an important part of Mike Boynton's journey. He was an assistant coach there. Um, he has a long relationship with the folks at South Carolina. So if that job opens up and he says, okay, I'm going, you know, quote unquote home, even though he's from Brooklyn, New York, then, you know, fine, that's cool. But if he doesn't go to South Carolina, they cannot have what happened with Brad Underwood happen to Mike Boynton. That, that mm-hmm. cannot happen again. And if that happens again, then the folks in charge at Oklahoma State need to take a long, hard look at Mike Holder and just say, dude, are you kidding me? 
What are you, you let, doing? You let Brad Underwood go when he built the top five program at Illinois. What's Mike Boynton going to do if he goes to another Big Ten school or another SEC school and builds a, a powerhouse there? It would show me that all Mike Holder really cares about is football. Yeah. And, uh, and in Oklahoma yeah. State, that's a crime because they have a long history of being a very good basketball program. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it doesn't get enough credit for the basketball history that they have there in Stillwater. Uh, let's talk about the team they're going to be playing, West Virginia. That's the first game on Thursday morning. Uh, once we get to the quarterfinal matchups in the Big 12 tournament this week. But what do you see from the Mountaineers here as of late? Uh, A surprising loss over the weekend. Bob Huggins did not get win number 900. So where is West Virginia right now as they hope? I mean, every team wants to peak right now. Where do you think the Mountaineers are? I I still think they're in a good place. I mean, they, they played Baylor that previous Tuesday. They went to overtime. They played a really good game. I mean, if you watch that game start to finish, uh, West Virginia played very well. Um, I still think they're capable of getting to the championship game. I still think they're capable of beating Oklahoma State on Thursday. It's just with that loss to Oklahoma State, that really hurt them because now they got to play Baylor in the semifinal game, which is, you know, maybe that's what they want. But, you know, their their perimeter players are playing at a very high level right now. Derek Culver is an all-Big 12 first-team player, and justifiably so. He's had a great year. They've got good depth. They can compete with anybody in this conference. Their trick is they've got to keep Derek Culver out of foul trouble. Um, Gabe Osaboyan is a very good player. He does a lot of good things for them, but he doesn't create his own shot. He doesn't work off the block. He basically gets his points off second chance points and, and turnovers. So if, if Culver has to spend long stretches on the bench, and that was part of the problem with Oklahoma State on Saturday, Culver had to spend a lot of time on the bench due to foul trouble. If I'm Oklahoma State, that's my plan early on Thursday drive the ball at Derek Culver every single time, get him in foul trouble, get him off the floor. Then it becomes a, a game that really is in your favor at that point. The other game that we know is going to be taking place on Thursday is Texas and Texas tech. So as you look at these two teams and this game in particular, I mean, it seems like the shine has kind of worn off the Longhorns here the last few weeks, Texas tech. We know what Chris Beard can do. They've got experience obviously in March. What are these two teams looking for this week in this big 12 tournament? Well, I think for Texas, you know, they had a good week this past week. They won three games, but I think if you look inside the game, their balance is back between their front court and their back court. They got really back court heavy for a couple of weeks there. And that, I think that's part of the reason why they had such a rough stretch in the middle half of February. Now that they've got their balance back between Jericho Sims and Kai Jones and Greg Brown and three tremendous guards, that really helps them going into the big 12 tournament because that's when they're at their best when they don't have to lean on one, either their perimeter or their inside game. Uh, for Texas Tech, the trick has been they have these games where they play, they always play great defensively, but they had these games where they don't play at a high level offensively. Or maybe just Mac McClung has a really good game offensively and the rest of them are just kind of middling. They just haven't been able to get consistent in that respect this year. I think in part because while they haven't had a COVID pause, practically every other COVID pause in the conference has impacted them in some way by having games canceled or games postponed. So they just haven't been able to get into a rhythm. So if I'm Texas Tech this week, I want to get my offense back into a rhythm as, as much as I can. And, and they can do that against Texas because Texas is one of those teams who the last few years, they just had the Longhorns number. You know, and their, their one meeting in, in Austin earlier this year, they won that game at the buzzer on a Mac McClung three-pointer. Uh, I think they've won, I think Tech has now won either four of the last five or five of the last six meetings with Texas. So wouldn't surprise me at all if Texas Tech won that game, but I'm, I'm banking on Texas and the rhythm they've created the last week to kind of carry them out of that round and into the semifinals. 
do you think, Matthew, that, you know, both of these teams, obviously it's about seeding. We talked about tech earlier, maybe bumping up a seed or two is Texas at the point where it's still a team that has some uh, pieces that are matured, but these guys obviously have not uh, played any type of, of, of length of the NCAA tournament. Do they need a win or two here this week? If you're Shaka smart, just to build a little bit of confidence going into March madness and the NCAA tournament next week, or is that stuff overrated? Um, I, I don't think it's overrated in this case. I mean, I think they're a team that, you know, depending upon what happens across the rest of the country, if they can make a run and go to the championship game, they could conceivably slide into a two. I think that'd be a bit far-fetched, but I don't think you want to be Shaka and lose that first game against Texas Tech and drop to a four, because again, that means a sweet 16 game against a one seed. Maybe it's a Gonzaga, maybe it's an Illinois, maybe it's a Michigan not saying that's not a winnable game for them, but it makes that their road very difficult at that point, uh, as it should be in the Sweet 16. Uh, I, if I'm Shaka, I want to win out and get to the championship game and build that momentum up because, you know, like I said, they're a team. You could see it last week. The pieces are starting to come back together for them. And I think the last thing you'd want if you were Shaka Smart would be to lose that game against Tech and have to sit for basically a week. Because as you reminded me the other day, the NCAA tournament starts on a Friday this year, not a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, that's the only weird thing about this year. This well, that and you know, only twenty five percent fans is going to throw me off. But uh, the team you just mentioned some one seed possibilities. Let's dive into the one seed here, the Baylor Bears. Uh, it does seem like Matthew that as people go to fill out their brackets next week, there's going to be a lot of one seed love. It feels like there's a big drop off when you get from Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois, Michigan, whatever order you want to put them in to what feels like the rest of the field. Right. So mm -hmm. is Baylor in a position though, where if they have a horrible week, because you know, it's been such a disjointed last few weeks for them where they could fall off that one seed line. If things, if things, you know, if they do lose to a, a West Virginia on Friday, is that a possibility? I, I don't think so. Everything that I've heard from Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm tells me that even if Baylor were to lose in the quarterfinals to Kansas State. Um, All <laughs> right. Long, you're, I owe you calling Ron it. Ron Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> you think you can win the whole thing? Go prove it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even if they were to lose in that first round, um, they seem to think they wouldn't fall off that one line. Now, they might fall into that region opposite Gonzaga which I yeah. think is what Baylor wants to avoid. They want to avoid being in that region opposite of Gonzaga. So they meet in the national semifinals as opposed to the championship game. But I, I don't think that Baylor can really hurt themselves too much this week, you know, okay. with a loss, you know, especially a semifinal loss to West Virginia. I don't think the committee is going to penalize them that much for losing to what at that point would be a top 10 West Virginia team. Do you think they have to approve to themselves though, that they are the team that they were before the three week shutdown? Um, I think they've proven that this past week to themselves, okay. you know, beating three ranked teams. I mean, the way that big 12 reset the schedule, they basically said, you're going to play number six for West Virginia. You're going to play number 17, Oklahoma state. You're going to play number 18, Texas tech. Good luck. And they won all three games. So mm -hmm. I think they're, they're the Baylor team that we were used to seeing before they went on the COVID pause. So I don't, and they're so mature too. I mean, when yeah. you think about the players that have been there for two, three years now, they're such a mature team nothing really seems to rattle them. So I don't think that this week's about proving anything to themselves or to anybody else. You know, Matthew, before we look at the rest of these teams in the big 12, I was um, thinking about this because I saw this on Twitter, some chatter, how the big 12 this year in basketball is like the sec is in football where they've got one team that can win a national championship in Baylor in this case. And then a lot of really good teams, but no one who's a national title contender. 
when Kansas is your two seed in the Big 12 tournament, is there something to be said for the gap in the Big 12 between one and two is bigger than the gap between two and six? Is that fair? Or do you say no? I mean, you know, Kansas or Oklahoma State or uh, West Virginia or Texas or Texas Tech. I mean, no, if they're in an elite eight or, or even a final four, I'm not shocked. Uh, I, I think there's five, six teams capable in the Big 12 of getting to the Sweet 16. And I think there's at least three or four that are capable of getting to the Elite Eight. I don't think it's a, I mean, there is a gap between Baylor and everybody else. Let's just be honest. There is. But there's not a gap between Kansas and West Virginia and Oklahoma State and, and even Oklahoma between them and among the rest of the country. That's why they've, most of them have been, you know, no worse than a five or a six seed all season when it comes to the brackets over the last month. They they are they are good enough and they're competitive enough to get to a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight. It's really going to boil down to how the bracket falls. You know, if, for instance, if three of those Big 12 teams somehow end up in that region with Gonzaga, yeah, it's going to be hard for any of them to get out of there. But if yeah. you know if they balance it out a little bit to where you know Baylor's in a region with one Big 12 team and there's two down here and there's two down here and maybe three up here, you could see I could see the possibility of three big 12 teams getting to the elite eight. I, I don't, I don't buy the logic that just because there's a gap between Baylor and everybody else that those other teams can't get far in the tournament. I, I, I could not agree more. Now we haven't really talked about the bottom tier of this conference. Um, and, you know, we'll find out more probably this week about what the future holds for, for Bruce Weber at Kansas state and Steve Prohm at Iowa state. Um, it seems like Jamie Dixon is fine at TCU, but still I, those three teams at the bottom of the conference right now, if you were to say, hey, this is the one of those three that I really just don't like the direction of the program, which one is it? Um, that's probably Iowa State. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not a that's not a hard question to answer when you lose when you win two games in one year. But do you see um, anything there where you're like there's there's a glimmer of hope or do you like the young roster that Bruce Weber's put together that better than Steve Prohm's young roster? Oh, I absolutely love what Bruce Weber's brought in to Kansas State between Nigel Pack and some good building blocks in Davion Bradford and Selton Miguel. DeWan Gordon has had a very good year. They've got a lot of really good young pieces. Now Bruce Weber has to spend the offseason putting those guys together. What Iowa State's problem is right now is they had the transfer problem like Kansas State did, but Kansas State brought in a whole, whole group of players, like seven or eight guys. Iowa State brought in a few guys and a couple of transfers and their centerpiece of their recruiting class, Xavier Foster, hurt his foot in December. That hasn't played the rest of the season. Uh, Rasir Bolton got hurt for the last few games of the year. You know, that's, there's not a lot of young talent on that team right now. And that, that's the concerning thing to me. If I look at their starting lineup next year, it's Bolton and it's Trey Jackson and it's Chris Harris and then Nate Henson, who had to sit out the year due to an illness. They don't really have a big guy unless Foster comes back and he's you know healthy and ready to go. Uh, they've got one player in their recruiting class for 2021 right now, a top 100 guy, but just one guy right now. And you know it's there's just not a lot of young talent to build around right now on that team. That could change depending upon what happens in the offseason. But of those three teams, they're the ones that I'm the most worried about because I don't see a young freshman or sophomore there like I do at Kansas State or even at TCU with Mike Miles that you can build around. All right, Matthew, we got a couple minutes here. Give me uh, I was looking this up here and I'm going to when's the last time a team not named Kansas, Missouri or Iowa State won the Big 12 tournament? 
Oh gosh, I I was actually looking at this the other day. I think it was Oklahoma State. Give me a year. They won back to back. I think it was 04. Oh four oh five. Well done. Yeah, nice job by you. Nice <laughs> job by you. Two thousand five. Uh, oh four and oh five. Oklahoma State did win back to back Big Twelve tournaments. Since then, it's been Kansas, Missouri, or Iowa State to win every Big Twelve tournament. So, uh, make the case. Who do you see winning the Big Twelve tournament this year? I I'm going to stick with the one seed Baylor. Okay. Um, Baylor's never won a tournament. Uh, for that matter, no team from the state of Texas has won a Big Twelve tournament to this point. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of feel like they have everything they need. It's not to say they couldn't lose a one-off game against a West Virginia or a Texas. In fact, that's, that's who I'm picking to get to the championship game. It's Baylor in Texas. That's my pick to get to the title game. And in that kind of a game, I just feel like Baylor's experience, their, their ability to shoot at a high level. One thing we haven't talked about, we talk a lot about Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell and Macy Oteague. There are five players in that team that shoot better than 40% from the three-point line. The other two guys are Adam Flagler and Matthew Mayer. They've got a they've got a stretch four forward and four guards that can shoot better than forty percent from the three point line. That's almost impossible to deal with defensively. And you know, to me, that's going to be the big problem that any team in the Big Twelve tournament is going to have, and any problem that any team in the NCAA tournament is going to have with them. They've got to hope that Baylor has an off night from the three point line, and I I don't expect that to happen this week. I think they're going to win their first Big Twelve tournament and just keep on rolling. All right. Well, I like that. Uh, I'm going to go Baylor over Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament on Saturday night in the championship game. That's my prediction. I think that Tech can get by Texas uh, in that first quarterfinal matchup. Kansas, I'm not in love with right now, advance to that semifinal. And then you've got Baylor over Texas Tech. So there you have it. Uh, Big 12 tournament here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. He is Matthew Postens. Enjoy the games. We'll be doing this after Selection Sunday comes out as well so we'll see you then on the podcast also on youtube and everywhere else that you are getting our content matthew we'll talk to you on selection sunday my friend you bet pete appreciate it